Hey, welcome to Collision, a podcast where faith and doubt collide. My name is Nick Flores, the host. Expect to hear on each episode a story from a guest in your community. Yeah, in your community. A story of their own experience with religion, faith, and church. All unscripted, raw, emotional testimony around their deconstruction journey. We believe in honoring our true selves by sharing openly our struggles, doubts, and breakthroughs when it comes to religious trauma. If you are looking for support in any of these areas of conversation, listen in. You never know who else has been where you are today. Expect to learn from diverse perspectives and grow in empathy and understanding. Because when we share and listen to stories of deconstruction, we create a space where growth, change, and resilience flourish. This is Collision, where faith and doubt collide. Now streaming wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Collision Season 2. We did it. We made it to Season 2. This is crazy. I don't know how many times I'm going to say Season 2. You can probably tell I'm a little excited. I might sound a little different than I did in Season 1 when I was a little monotone. And I was like, welcome to Collision, where faith and doubt collide. My name is Nick Flores, and I'm your host. Um, but I am back with Season 2. Um, this was just an incredible response of people coming in you're like yo we really like what you're doing that's amazing thank you big shout out to all the supporters i'm gonna stop high-fiving myself patting myself on the back i just give it all back to everybody every single guest we've had um has come on so bravely just sharing their story not knowing where this would go not knowing um who's listening um no visibility into any of that um because Literally, any stranger, if you come on and you share your story, a stranger you've never met, that's just crazy um, that everybody has come on and they're just like pouring their hearts out about um, religious trauma, of trauma at home, um, abuse, uh, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, suicidal tendencies. Um, yeah, just all raw, unscripted, um, pure just like this is who i am and this is where i'm going that's amazing um so big 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 ups and shout out to everybody who came on um and we don't have a whole lineup of guests for season two um we're just kind of rolling with the punches and seeing who who wants to come on um again that's just a part of it being unscripted so um a little bit of housekeeping move forward into season two we're going to do things a little differently in terms of rollout we're going to try to do um once a month is very ambitious i think already um but we're going to try to do once a month i'm going to try to get a podcast out there once a month um so if you want to share your story you want to come on um do it i i encourage you to but i also say this if you don't feel yet comfortable doing so that's okay you could be a long-time listener and not a caller at all again say thank you to everybody who's come on if you don't know um a little if you're like coming in you're like okay we're three minutes into this thing what's up but a little bit of history um i started this um podcast uh just kind of as a passion project wanting to give people um space to come on and share the story of their relationship with church and their relationship with god and their relationship with trauma and their relationship with people um because when i when i was coming through my own journey uh in, in young adulthood um, when i was about 20 years old i ran away from home um to go pursue ministry at a camp and then after camp ended early i i 
I, I hurt some people at that camp. Um, I broke a lot of trust. Um, and then a couple, then a couple years later, I did the same thing, but not to anybody I knew, but to some neighbors within our complex. Um, and then, yeah, there's just that cycle. I was just like, oh man, why am I hurting people? And then I got married. And then after shortly being married, I got angry. And I was like, oh man, why am I I'm emotionally hurting um, my wife? Never physically hurting my wife. Just want to put that out there. But um, I emotionally hurt um, people closest to me again. And I said, why am I doing this? And I remember getting so angry at myself. I, I, I threw a, threw a, a glass out the window and uh, broke the glass. And I joke now that I broke the glass in case of emergency. And then I broke down, um, to my wife, uh, who was at home with me. And, um, I disclosed that I was sexually abused from my older brother from such a, such a young age. Um, before I was like five years old, four or five years old. So when it began up to my early teens. Um, and so within all that messy complicatedness, um, and my wife being a prime example of someone who just wants to sit with me, listen to me, um, and not judge and, um, uh, question why I, well, I mean, in a healthy way, question why, why am I doing the things that I'm doing, um, and encouraging me to find help and seek help, um, in therapy and all that jazz. And as she continues, as my wife continues to, um, pursue me despite my, my flaws and continue to push me in the direction of me becoming the better version of myself every day, not only for her, but for our kids. Um, yeah. So all that to say. I've not only has my wife been an amazing um, role model in that um, area of just creating a safe space for me to come forward and share my truth, but um, there are countless other people um, that have done that same thing for me as well in the future. And I just want to kind of give back and exemplify that of uh, collision is, is really just that space where you can come on and you can share your story. You can share your speech, your piece, um, and not feel like I'm not like anybody's going to question, um, you, um, and make you defend your decisions, but really something, somewhere you can come and ask questions, um, and engage in, in, in those questions. Um, collision by any means is not going to have any answers for you. I'm not going to claim to have any answers for you. If anything, we're going to have you ask more questions. Uh, more questions about yourself, more questions about faith, more questions about God and church, religion, and politics even, and um, your place in the world. Um, yeah, so that's collision. Um, that's where we are. That's where we're coming from. Um, and I say we as in me and everybody who supports, everybody who's a part of this community um, already, so strongly a part of this community. Um, and all the guests, the guests, past guests and the future guests, um, that is a collective. We, um, we are here and we believe in, um, cultivating a community that is safe, safe for questions. And so with that, I'm almost at the 10 minute mark. I'm at the seven minute mark. Oh my gosh. Um, I just want to introduce now, introduce you to the guest of episode 12, um, Hope Bean. Um, she and I went to church together at a really, really young age. By really young age, I mean kindergartens when I vaguely remember maybe meeting Hope and having some 
um, flashback memories of hope um, with her and her family going to church together. Um, and yeah, so that's how I know hope. We went to church together a long, long time ago. Life happens, you know, you kind of, people you grew up with just kind of go their own ways for whichever reason. Um, and she listened to a couple episodes in season one, reached out and said, Hey, I would love to share my story and share my experience with church. And, um, so yeah, here she is. So Bradley sharing her story. Yeah. So that's hope being, I encourage you to listen through the end. Um, she has a lot of, um, really good pieces and take takeaways and, um, some advice. And I think there's a lot people can, um, resonate with and, and uh, learn from her story so welcome on hope being and thank you if you're listening hope thank you for coming home um, yeah that's it oh boy my name's hope bean and i grew up in calvary vista and i don't not only grew up in the church but i was also homeschooled through this school they had like that homeschool group. I don't mm. know if you were ever a part of it, but I was, yeah, for half a year. <laughs> right. I think, yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah. I was like, you were there, then you were. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was a very everyone growing up, like when we would do dog sports and stuff who weren't in the faith, they'd be like, damn, you guys are so sheltered. You have no idea like what's gonna happen. Mm. And they were right. Like we grew up going to church being around church people everything was church and like but my parents weren't social like they didn't take us out to like their friend's house or anything like that we went to like one of their friend's house but that's about it and it was a rocky childhood <laughs> um my mom did the best that she could and i just want to say like my childhood is no reflection of my parents like they did their best with the tools they had. And um, I appreciate them for that. But uh, my mom had a heavy hand and was strict, very, very strict. And um, I was what was called, do you remember like Dobson's like strong-willed child? No. It's like how to raise a strong-willed child. Okay. And it's pretty much like how to break a child into mm -hmm. submission. And, like, that's the whole book. And, like, my mom, my dad read it. Like, they had to figure out a way to, like, get me under control. Mm. And um, growing up, I was like, something's different. Something's different with me than with everyone else. And there were two things at play. I knew something was wrong with me mentally and school-wise. Like, I could not handle academics. Like, I cheated throughout my high school because I just was a teacher manual. So, I just had to grab it and, like, write in the answers. And then I checked my own work. So there was no like triple check of if she's not cheating or whatever. Like they just trusted me and I lied because that was easier. Um, So my dad, like it got to the point where I was doing school for probably like 12 hours a day. Like in the morning I did it with my mom, but she can only do certain subjects with me because we would fight, like just fight. <laughs> I don't even remember half the fights we fought about, but we were just always yelling at each other. We were just never on the same page. Um, And my dad would then sit down with me after he got home and we would do another like two hours of school, like trying to catch me up. 
my like SATs when we'd have to come into the school, I was so anxious to be in the school like grounds and to like be with all the all of my peers. Like they weren't my peers. Like they were so far advanced to me because I was so sheltered. So I think I feel like I just lost track. But the, it's like the childhood that you'd see in like a movie where it's like that child is like the weird homeschooler who comes mm. out like that's what I was um and my sisters weren't well as adjusted as I was like I kind of could fit into social situations but both my mom and dad just weren't that social unless it was like somebody they really really knew um so we didn't really get out much at all um we did all like children's ministry my sisters and I like took care of kids since we were like 12 my grandma owned a daycare so we would take care of kids there and she'd always get the kiddos who like had a little trouble in their life Mm -hmm. so she I learned all the things I know and now do in my job um I learned from her and I learned like kindness and compassion from her um but my parents just didn't have that softness to them and it was like fire and brimstone in my house is that what it's called when it's like like hell yeah (laughs) yeah yep it was like that it was like no matter what you were going to hell Mm. it's not only that i have some like mental health stuff and some learning disabilities which later i found out i have dyslexia um but i also had um a lot of like growing pains and like bodily things that hurt me and that was the only thing that got me attention was like being hurt physically because then you can see it it's a fact but if I told them I was anxious I was scared I was frustrated like none of my feelings were validated it was like go pray to Jesus you need to love Jesus more go read your bible pray about it those are my answers and something was wrong like I knew something was different about me the second thing I had was I knew I was bi. I knew I was bi since I was little. And I didn't know what I was feeling, what was happening. <laughs> like, I didn't know. And I that led to dangerous situations, like, later in life. Um, but that was something that I knew I could never tell anybody. That wasn't going to be my, my story like that. Just I just had to pray it away. I hated myself a lot. I had body dysmorphia. I had anorexia. I would not, like, I I think I went days without eating at some point. Um, and it was the only thing I could control. There was nothing to control in my house. I got to choose nothing. Mm. And, and, and it's like the fun things, like we got to choose some things to do. But my dad usually planned everything. My mom just went along with it or she didn't come. It was just my dad who took us. Um, And I knew something was different about the relationship too. Like it just seemed off. Um, But they like said they loved each other and they loved Jesus. So I didn't question it. Um, And my sisters were like, as we were growing up, became kind of like, into the world of Christianity. Mm. They were going out and serving. They were doing children's ministry. I think they did like all three services for children's ministry. My sister is now a missionary for Calvary. (laughs) The whole, it's like I, 
don't speak to her anymore. Um, and not really for a huge dramatic reason. It's just that she's still in the faith and still in the bubble that we were in when we were kids. And she has no idea about like the real world and um, makes me sad. And, you know, she knows it. I know it. We both know what the other feels like. It's not hush hush. Like this is how it is between us. Um, And my other sister, Holly, is, you know, so kind and so amazing. But um, yeah, so I kind of grew up very sheltered, very scared of everything. I was scared of my own house. Like it, it wasn't fun to be there. I would go out all the time. I remember my sister saying like, you're always leaving. You're never like around to hang out with us. And it was like, I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be there. My mom was, um, he scared a lot of people. He was very like independent and they called her in like the church group of like the women's ministry, they called her like pioneer woman. Cause she would like, we had chickens, we had um, tons of like farm stuff at our house. And so we were like the weird farm kids, you know? So I never felt comfortable at home. And then we were at church for, you know, 75% of the other time. So and I did not feel comfortable there. I didn't have any like good friends in the church at all either. So. It was a very, very lonely childhood. What what were you doing when you didn't want to be home? Where would you find yourself? Where would you try to go? In dangerous situations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would do anything that was sketchy or scary. I remember for my friend's 15th birthday, we walked around the neighborhood. My parents would have killed me at like midnight. We're like walking around, texting different guys, saying mm. we're going to meet up here or we're going to meet up there. Um, it was quite the adventure. I remember like a cop pulling up at us, but we all like jumped away. <laughs> like mm. It was just such dumb like high school stuff, but it kept me like that's where I felt safe. That's where right. I felt loved at my friend's house who wasn't a Christian. And I was like, what the heck? How can this person who's not a Christian feel more loving to me than my own family? Like, that is so weird. Um, And I I know my family adores me. They love me. But it's just Christianity creates this. Not just Christianity, though. Like, this specific kind of Christianity, the one that we see, the one that we grew up with, is toxic. It, like purity culture ruined me it absolutely ruined me (laughs) and if you're a woman and you went through purity culture you have been like traumatized i I, it's just facts like it's a contract you literally sign a contract and like say like i will never have sex outside of marriage or whatever it is like i will keep my thoughts pure i will keep everything pure like the whole temple thing and i was like why is this so amazing when like nobody else is doing this like specifically our church is the ones who are always talking about this and something else they always talked about was homosexuality and what a sin it was and how horrible it was so you can imagine just that little girl just going like i am disgusting i am horrible i'm going to hell why am i even here i should be burning in this seat why aren't i on fire like 
all of these thoughts going through my head. So that led to a lot of negative thoughts, not good thoughts. And it led to some actions that mm. tried to end those thoughts. And um, I remember specifically the first time the thought came up was when an accident happened and I lost somebody. And we weren't that close. But for some reason, like, we just had this bond that, like, we were good. Um, and I, when I lost them, they, like, came to me in a dream. And I, like, saw them. And I was, like, talking to them. And they were, like, saying they were all right. They were okay. Like, it's all right. And I woke up and I told my mom, like, oh, I had this dream about this person. And she, like, literally thought I had a demon inside me. Mm. <laughs> like because of that happening and um it's like every single thing you had done it, it was never you being accountable for it. it was well you sinned so just go pray about it or you you know you just fell you just fell into temptation so it's okay like you can pray about it and it'll be okay and then i realized like nobody takes accountability like no one's taking it head on and saying like this is wrong or i did this nobody could do that in our faith like or in their faith and it is so scary that they have so much like power and like control over that group of people like, even our politics i remember sitting in like church and like talking about who you should vote for who would be the best candidate and like that is crazy to try to listen to and then on top of that they'd be talking about like well the end days are coming like look at the world events happening like the world yeah. the world will end and i was like seven being like the world's gonna end like i'm gonna <laughs> die i might as well just not be here like i just want to go i don't want to be i was so scared to be one of those people who got left behind like so scared that i didn't eat for days like all of these things came from me being terrified. And that was like, their goal was to make me terrified. And I remember a few Sunday school teachers, a few children's pastors, when they got in and they like would talk to me, I'd be like, oh my gosh, okay, this is what like unconditional love feels like. They're being so nice to me. And um, it just, now I realize like they were just being nice because that's what you do at church. Like I saw those people outside of church and they weren't that nice to me. So it's like, oh, okay, it was the environment. You have to be nice to everybody. They may not have even known who I was. Like mm. they only know me by like my family because they've been there for so long. Right. But it, Christianity like ruined my mental health. <laughs> what was your perception of God throughout all this? Ooh. Who is he? Who is who is God to hope? I have like so many answers for mm -hmm. that because I believe in. I don't even believe in their God. That right. I don't even. Who is the God like, that was presented to you? Oh, okay. Uh, a scary one, <laughs> like the Father who is justified and will like wreak havoc on the world just to show that they didn't listen to him or something mm. i didn't mention a lot in sunday school but i i just don't understand how it went from 
this loving God who I see now when I'm grown up, I saw, I met Christians and I was like, oh, shit, like you're going to be just like my parents. I'm going to hate this. They are such cool ass people. Like mm. they're loving, they're kind. They don't care what I'm by. Like it's amazing. Yeah. And um, I was like, wow, okay. That's not all Christianity. So that has to change my perception of God. Like he's not this big scary guy that I was taught to like be so scared of him and but there was all this talk about love and acceptance and kindness so i was like okay i just have to get past being scared and then i'll get the love and kindness hopefully <laughs> like mm. and i sat in bed and like prayed for it just please take these thoughts away like i don't want to end my life excuse me please help me this is not going well and I never felt that help. So for me, it was like I would cry out to God and he just wouldn't be there. So I didn't hear this voice. I didn't get this calling. Like, I didn't do that. And other people were. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like, I am so unlovable. The God who made me can't even love me. That was my like perception of him through this raising and if he loved me so much why didn't he help my mom my mom needed help raising me he, he didn't know what to do and she tried her best she did research he talked to other moms she asked god for guidance she did all the right things a christian mom should do and it still didn't work and it didn't need to work like that method was not going to work for me she had to change and she couldn't because the religion was telling her what to do. And that research stopped at anything that was liberal or from research or anything like that. It had to come from a Christian represent representative of the faith who is an expert in that field. But they're not experts. They're pastors. They're <laughs> like leaders in the church, like deacons, counselors. Like they're not... Yep. I do a behavioral science now. And so it's very difficult for me to look back on that person that God, they said, was this person who would heal you and help you. Why wasn't I healed then? Why wasn't I given help that I needed? So my perception of God was just, he's a scary being who makes these rules that are arbitrary and you don't know where he is you can't feel him he 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 lets people feel lonely that was the god i knew mm. you talked a lot about your upbringing and being a christian and the church as as a young younger hope how how did you find your way outside of the bubble what was that journey like for you oh it was a rough rough journey um i immediately started dating men that were 11 to 13 years older than me um thought i was in love thought this was gonna be perfect um and one day my boyfriend at the time um was like or my dad was gonna meet him he might have even been my fiance at this time mm. But he's like, my dad was like, I'm going to meet this guy. I'm going to tell him, like, you're too young. This is not going to work. Like, this will not be good. And I was like, you can go talk to him, but I'm not cheap. Like, I was so, like, set. Like, this is my way out. I have to get out. And I remember sitting, like, in my bunk bed 
oh, our house was only like 900 square feet. So like mm-hmm. very, very tiny. Okay. So and you're still living at home. Yes. Okay. I was still living at home. I was 18 or mm-hmm. 19. Okay. And um, I had, but I'd been living with the boyfriend every once in a while too. So it was like kind of bouncing back and forth. And I didn't know who I was. Like I knew, I knew, you know, that verse that's like, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out my mouth. Yeah. Okay, that's like co- like constantly playing in my head. So if I'm not against, if I'm not for him, I'm against him. Like right. that's what the Bible said. So I'm against him. That's it. I surrender. I'm done. I'm not with him anymore. Like, because I can't have the guilt of, you know, doing whatever I do on Saturday night and then come in Sunday and like praise him when I don't care. <laughs> I just didn't care at that point. Mm. Um. And I did it because my family, you know, like, I didn't want to hurt my family. I didn't want them to know that everything they taught me, I felt was a lie. I didn't get an education. I got curriculum made by other Christians, not even, like, teachers. So my education was not that good. And I know it's what they believed. And for what they believed, they gave me a good education. I'm very good at Christianese, like... (laughs) I understand Christians very well, but at the same time, I'm not going to keep doing something I don't believe in. So I made that choice to go with his boyfriend instead of my family. And I remember my dad, like I could hear his truck. He had a six, like a, uh, what's that called? When it's like a six shift, stick shift or whatever, a manual, he had a manual and he was like, making like roaring in. You could hear his tires like, And he pulls into the driveway and he comes into the house and he just like throws on the door, throws his keys, comes into my bedroom, kisses me on my forehead and says, you're no longer my daughter. And I was like, what just happened? And I was like, I got to get out of here. So I just like packed up my clothes, told my boyfriend to come over, pick me up and I left. Mm. It was pretty devastating. Um... And I was very scared. I was very scared. I didn't want to be anywhere. So I didn't want to do anything. When um, he went to work, I, you know, tried to harm myself. I tried to hurt myself a few times. I was almost successful. And um, I just, I thought if I don't love Jesus, I am worthless. And it it's like that. That's what they say. You are so worthless without God. You have a you have a God sheep hole. You have yeah. all this thing. Like you need God. And I never got God when I needed him. So like at what what? <laughs> it's a disconnecting to me. Like we're we don't have a connection here. You know, someone dropped off the Wi Fi in the wrong house. Like we're not jiving. And th- so they were done with me <laughs> and um i didn't follow their rules and i got very hurt um so then i kind of came back to the faith and i was like okay if this guy's gonna hurt me just as bad as everyone else like it's not good out there either so what am i gonna do um and i remember just feeling so 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 hurt and so lost i didn't know like 
that was my main man. Like, I didn't have anybody else. And um, he was gone. And I tried to, like, he still had a hold on me. We, like, still hung out. We would get together. And then finally I was like, no, 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 this is done. And um, it ended pretty crazy. crazy and um, he was very controlling. It was very... Um, not scary to live with him, but, like, I was on eggshells constantly. I never slept. There was a time period I didn't sleep for, I think it was, like, five and a half days. Just straight up awake in manic mode. <laughs> like, I needed help so bad. And nobody had the mental health knowledge. Nobody talked to us about mental health. It was go pray to God. Go, you know, try to fix it read the Bible more. There was never, hey, you could have a chemical imbalance in your head. You could truly have something that's harming you. Or you could have trauma from the way your parents presented something that was very scary. And um, it was not fun trying to bounce back and forth. And then when I tried to go back, I had already realized like I'm bi and I'd come out to a few of my friends. So I was like, uh-oh, now I'm having all these dirty thoughts about these women and I can't control it. So I guess I need to leave the faith again because this mm. is not going to work out. Like, And I didn't have the proper understanding of like attraction, attraction of different genders. And I had no idea. Um, so I was so out of the LGBTQ plus I community, like... I just, I didn't know what I didn't know. So um, I experimented a little bit. Um, and then I figured out, I was like, okay, I don't want to be someone who's with every single person. Like, that's not going to be fun either. And that's not what God wants. Hmm. So I still always had this thought of like, okay, this is what God wants. Or God would be happier if I did this. So I'd always pick like the lesser of the evil and be like, which one would God forgive me for if I just died suddenly? Mm -hmm. um, so I would always like pick that one. It wasn't like, what would Jesus do? It was like, what right. would Jesus not hurt me for? That's all I saw God to be. Mm. You mentioned earlier you came across... Um, or you have come across Christians now that are not so stringent, they're more open, open-minded, um, especially towards LGBTQ communities um, and oppressed and people um, living kind of, I guess, alternative lifestyles for lack of a better term. Um, how did you find your way into those communities? Um, just little by little. Uh, the community that I first got into was the deaf community. I was doing American Sign Language. I started doing the interpreting program. Um, and there were gay people in my class. Uh, there was someone who was transitioning. Like, it was, I was 17 going into this college program. And it was eye-opening. I'm like, oh my God, like, that happens. I didn't even know how, like intercourse between two females or two males even happened. I had no idea. I I was so sheltered. I had no idea what people loved about the other person. Like, I had no idea. And um, we, but 
the events we would go to, there would be a lot of LGBTQIA communities mm. that would meet volunteer interpreters or need like to go to festivals so that we can help like not help but just interpret for them. Um and it was a good time. And I loved those people. I felt the most love from my cohort who were so kind to me and like took me underneath their wings because they were all older than me. So um, it was nice to have like a little family that kind of accepted me just how I was. I told them that I was bi. Um, and a couple people were like, oh, yeah, like totally. <laughs> you like have the vibe. Yeah. Um, and I was like, that's great because that's who I am and that's who I want my vibe to be. So um, I just like slowly started integrating in and meeting new people and getting like mutual friends from different people. So it was a slow build. Cool. You mentioned you're, you're presented with this one version of God growing up, um, specifically within the Calvary Church. And then now even just talking about your experience with meeting other people, different communities. Um, who would you, would you say you believe in a God now still, or were you sitting with that idea? I, I'm like a witch hippie now. That's fair. It, I believe there's something out there. I believe there's something that's got to be there, mm. uh, be it aliens, the universe, horoscopes, whatever it is. So, um, no, I don't know, but I don't want to say no because then I'm going right. to hell. So like, <laughs> I don't know what to say because I'm so traumatized that yeah. even the thought of like, no, Nick, I do not believe in God at all. Like saying that, oh shit, like now I it's can't. real. Yeah, now it's real. Now it's real. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's not a fun time when you're having like nightmares of like hell burning down, <laughs> like your friends being tortured because they're not going yeah. to Christian or to heaven. I almost said to Christianese. Like that is just. <laughs> Because people are so crazy. It's like, we are the chosen ones. And only Calvary chapels are the chosen ones. We are the ones with the true faith. And that is just not true. <laughs> there are so many other faiths. And like, something that I really liked about growing up was my dad was like, and my uncle were like, really interested in like other people's religion. And I got exposed to a lot of different cultures, a lot of different religions. And I think that helped me realize like, okay, there can be something different. There can be somebody who may not be traumatized by their religion. So it might actually be okay. And I finally come to the place where I'm like, okay, you might be a Christian, but you're also not going to hate me. You're not turning your back and being like, I can't believe Hope did that. Yeah. can't believe Hope is doing that. Like, that's just so against everything we believe in. But I know what they're saying. I was in those groups. I was the one who was like, we need to pray for Jessica. She's pregnant. Like, we were all there for that. And it was not fun to be a part of. And to think that I'm the prodigal is devastating to me. I will never just be the daughter hope. I will be the prodigal daughter. Mm -hmm. I will be the prodigal sister. That's 
who I am. So to me, like, that's not accepting who I am. That's putting a label on me. That's who you are now. And that's related to the religion. (laughs) Like, it's not even something that they just feel intuitive. It's like, I was taught to do this, so now I do it. And there's no questioning. There is no why. And if you do question, my dad always went back to, you know what? It's faith. And I'd Hmm. always be like, yeah, it's faith and I don't have it. It's not mine. Um, so it's, it's one thing to believe in something, but it's another to ostracize your family because of it. Yeah. I think that's really good. And one mantra that's kind of helped me over the past two years is this idea of I'm on my way. <laughs> and I'm just as simple as that. Of I don't have the answers. I don't know if there is a God, if there is a God, who is that God? Um, you know, all sorts of different ideas. They all can be true at the same time um, or altogether be wrong at the same time. But I think there's just comfort in knowing I'm on my way. Um, I might have the answers one day, and it's okay if I don't. If I don't have the answers, um, and that I love kind of, that. Yeah, and that kind of just goes for all things: spirituality, career, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to tie it to. I'm on my way. Um, one one day I'll have the answers. One day they might be presented, but if not, it's okay. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really really cool. Um, of an answer. And so kind of just help round out the conversation. Um, what kind of advice would you give someone or what advice would you give yourself a younger version of yourself um, or everybody in between? Um, what advice would you kind of want to give outside of this conversation? Mm, I don't have much advice. I'm still kind of learning. Okay. Um, I, kind of to share like the reality of what happens when somebody comes from a homeschooled very sheltered life I was in the psych ward a week ago Mm. like this is the reality this is what happens when mental health is not taken seriously when homosexuality is so rant like it's the worst sin right there's no level of sin but homosexuality that's the worst yeah um I hated myself. I absolutely hated myself. And now I'm trying to undo 26 years of not knowing I have bipolar, not knowing I have borderline personality disorder, not knowing I have depression, anxiety, ADHD, all these things that I saw as a kid. Now as a professional, as someone who aids and intervenes to aid the help and support of a family to make sure they're a functional family with their child, like, I know that child needed help. Young Hope was in danger. I have attempted to commit suicide eight times. Eight of them. And one of them I was very close. And that is the reality of trying to work through this. I was talking to somebody else you had on this podcast and I was like, dang, this is not for the faint of heart. Like walking away Mm -hmm. is not easy and I always thought like my parents would always be like oh yeah but you walk away that's the easiest that's so easy Mm. like you're just not putting the work in you're not putting the faith in and it's like 
I did. I tried my best and I really tried. And I think when we finally get down to it, it's what your faith is and like pick your poison. But at the same time, like it is okay to question. It is okay to walk away for a little bit. And if if you truly believe in God, you'll come back. You will be back and you will love your life how it is. My sister is loving her life. She's in Africa. She's a nurse missionary. She just got married. It's amazing. Like, I am so happy for her. But I will never be close with her. We can't. That's just not going to happen. My lifestyle, I can't even talk to her about my lifestyle. I can't talk to her about what I did at a party last week. That's not going to happen. But I can try to be civil. We can try to talk. Um, I don't know how I, how it's going to be for us one day. I don't know. But losing family and and I didn't lose them. It was my choice. I asked them, like, could we just not have contact for a while and just see how it goes? And um, it's because I want to be a better daughter. I want to be able to do what they couldn't do for me. I want to mm. love them unconditionally, no matter what. And in order to do that, I need to take space. I need to find out who I am, what I'm built for, what I can do independently. I was so codependent. I went from my parents to boyfriend to boyfriend to husband to divorce to many different men, women. Like, it was wild out there. But that didn't bring any joy to me or harm to me. That was just my path. And I think there's such this this way of like here's the right path here's the wrong path but really it's like we all we, when we did the uh pacific crest trail we walked 80 miles so um we like did it in treks of course and mm-hmm. then we would camp instead of camp tear it down go walk again it was awesome um and hikers code is hike your hike so no matter what you just go at your speed mm-hmm. if you're going fast you go fast and you get faster yeah. if you go slower you know, you're going to walk slower, just like you said, and I'm on my way. And mm-hmm. I thought of the hiker right then. Like, there you go. Just hike your hike. Just get where you're going. But everyone needs to know what it's like to grow up in such a toxic environment. Mm. Um, how did you get from not knowing anything about it? mental health too obviously you've had your your run-ins and along the way you've you picked up some bits and pieces but to now kind of dedicating your life in a sense you know to your vocation um to help um people in need how did you get there um i I don't know. It was, it's kind of happenstance. Like mm-hmm. I just kind of kept putting one foot in front of the other. Um, when I, right before I moved to Michigan, I, uh, I was in Seattle and I was like, okay, I need to make a change in my life. Something's not going right. Like I am not that passionate about interpreting anymore, but I worked with kiddos with ASD and in the room and the, that population I I really love and I'm good at it and I connect with kids and I never got that 
approval. Like you, you're good at this. You should do this. Like I never got that. So I was going to join the police academy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was my goal too. And then I needed to take a high school language and you can't take it yourself in homeschool. You have to like go to college and take it. So we went into college. We took American sign language and the professor (laughs) was like, you should be an interpreter. And I was like, that's a job. Okay. Sign me up. So he signed me up for like all my classes, helped me get there, um, showed me financial aid, everything. Mm. Um, And then I went on to get my bachelor's in deaf studies. And then I moved to Seattle for a job. And I got really, I got, uh, so so I was, there's so much to say in my story that I'm trying to like make bits and pieces aren't thrown out. Yeah. Yeah. um, I was attacked at knife point in Seattle. Mm. And um, it caused some terrible PTSD. And um, even to the point where, like, I couldn't get out of bed to go to the bathroom. Like, it was not good. Um, and I, at that time, I had just got married. I think our wedding was, like, December 17th. I'm a terrible person. I don't remember what day I got married. <laughs> um, I was, like, uh, disassociating through those years. Mm-hmm. So I got married. And then, like, a week and a half later, I was attacked. So, like, that started our marriage, which was obviously not fun for either of us. Um, And it, like, kind of went downhill from there. I divorced him within, like, a year and a half marriage. Um, And then COVID hit, and I didn't have anybody. So he became my buddy, and it was, like, seven years of on and off of a relationship. I didn't know what to do. I was so scared, and I attempted suicide. And um, I woke up 16 hours later, just like vomit and diarrhea everywhere on my bathroom floor. I don't know what happened. I took a bunch of pills. They're like a ton were spilled on the counter. So I don't even know which ones I took, um, but I took many. <laughs> and um, luckily I somehow woke up and I was alive. I was highly dehydrated. Um, I ended up going and like getting fluids at like an urgent care, wherever they do it. Um, so they helped me out there. And right then, I was like, all right, Seattle ain't it. <laughs> this is not helping. I don't know what to do. Um, so I uh, decided to come to Michigan and start a whole new program. I got, I just completed my last class. I have my master's in applied behavior analysis, which is working with, you know, kiddos and adults with ASD. Um, and... Now I'm thriving, but it's hard. Like there, there was a setback just two weeks ago. Mm. So it it does get better, but um, it's tough. It's really tough. Well, congrats for how far you've already made it so far. Um, oh, thank you. It's really, really great. Yeah, super proud for that. And then lastly, what, I mean, you gave so much about who you are already Um, but is there anything you're like i just need to get this out i just want people to know this about me um i just need to get out there whether it's within context of what you've already shared or outside of context but what is one thing that you want people to know about hope man i i want everyone to know me as like being kind and um I I think a lot of people downplay what it's like to have trauma and it is so tough. <laughs> it is unbearable at mm. times. 
Um, and I think one of the biggest things is like, I feel so weak when I can't go to work, when I can't get out of bed and I'm physically a-okay. I'm physically great. I just can't get up. I am immobile. And that feeling of just like, okay, yeah, I do just wish I could like reach out to a God right now. And I just hope people know, like, I was never, right when I left, I was like, I hate God. Everything sucks. Like, total raid. Like, who is that? Like, Linkin Park, like, okay. <laughs> terrible, like, rage phase. Yeah. Um, and um, I did say some, like, hurtful words about Christianity and about my family. And I think one thing I just wish people would know was I'm not the prodigal. I don't want to come back. I don't want to be prayed for so that I can come back. I want to be prayed for because you love me and you care about me and you want me to like exceed at my life. Then you pray to your God. I will light some sage and wish you well. Like yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. So I just wish people would understand that it doesn't have to be this divide you don't have to be christian and not christian like it's so sad to me that they believe that god will not be for them if they do not do certain things in their bubble it makes me sad so i hope people know that i'm a safe person i'm always here for people to talk about things there's so much more we could get into about everything So much more I'd love to dive into about what it's like to know that you're behind than everyone else because of how you were raised. Um, But the things that happened at church were not fun. And I don't know what people think of me from the church. Like, I really didn't stick around to know. But I hope they do know that I loved everyone who like helped me in life and prayed for me and cared about me. And I do appreciate that. Like I am no longer that person who's like down, like down with the head of Calvary Christian, you know, I finally have come to peace at it. And now I'm coming to peace with my family and what they, they are to me. So it's all about finding your peace. And I hope that's what people know that I'm doing is just finding my peace. And that concludes episode 12 of Collision. Um, That was Hope Mean. And again, thank you, Hope, for coming on and sharing your story. Um, I greatly enjoyed our conversation and hope you listening as well. enjoyed the time as well and i'm just gonna give a quick shout out to scott erickson or scott the painter that's actually where i got the quote um i'm on my way it's from his book say yes uh, and again that's from the book say yes by scott erickson um I highly recommend it um if you're looking for a quick read uh, or a short listen i've listened to it now four three or four times um and i encourage it for anybody um, whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God. Um, it is a good book. I think there's a lot of good takeaways there um, and a lot of good practices even um, um, for anybody listening. 
So I highly encourage a Say Yes by Scott Erickson. That's where I got the quote, I'm on my way. And I should have mentioned it in a moment, but I didn't because I am forgetful. So thank you again for listening um, and supporting us. If you want to give us a quick follow on Instagram at Collision Podcast or TikTok, same handle at Collision Podcast. Um, that'd be great and huge um, for us in getting these stories out there. Um, and so thank you again. And if you want to be on podcasts, you can DM on any of the social, um, channels and reach out and thank you.